Cable news, noisy, boring, out of touch. That's why Salem News Channel is different. We keep you in the know. Streaming 24-7 for free. Home to the greatest collection of conservative voices like Dennis Prager, Jay Sekulow, Mike Gallagher, and more. Salem News Channel is unfiltered and unapologetic. Watch anytime, on any screen, at snc.tv and local now, channel 525. Good evening and welcome to Contending for the Faith. We are the cutting-edge Christian apologetic ministry addressing the issues and challenges facing today's church with your host, Bay Area pastor, lecturer, counselor, and expert on the cults, Dr. Jerry L. Buckner. My name is Jim Clark. Well, tonight we've got something a little different for you. Uh, Dr. Buckner and I are in the studio, and uh, quite honestly, I've not been here for a few months, and we're going to have some fun tonight. And But before we uh, uh, kick this thing off, we do want to have Dr. Buckner uh, share with you uh, some seven principles for Christian growth, because we're not pretending, we're contending for the faith. Dr. Buckner, how you doing? Thank you, Brother Jim. I'm truly blessed, and thank you so much for uh, being with us. We miss you, and it's always a blessing to have you here and be a part of what we're doing. Amen. And we've been uh, doing this for quite a while. You go way back with us, so we <laughs> appreciate the way God has used you and your family. And as Brother Jim has said, we're going to just uh, kind of like uh, have an open forum and just uh, have you to call in and tonight and just uh, share your testimony and uh, and just share uh, maybe what God is doing in your life. And we're going to kind of like hold off on a lot of the Bible questions tonight and just kind of like open it up for uh, a time where we can just uh, share testimony and just uh, have some prayer around you. And just to find out what God is doing in your life, and we can do a little consultation around that. And so uh, next time we uh, come in the studio, we'll get right back to the hard Bible teaching and as well as the studies. But let me just kind of kick things off talking about uh, seven principles uh, for true Christian growth, you know. And I believe that if we apply all of these seven principles— that uh, you'll see a tremendous amount of growth, not only in your personal life, but in the church, as well as in your marriage, in your, um, you know, workplace, because these principles apply to not only the church, but every phase of life. And they all sound alike. That's the one thing that's so unique about them. And I've done these uh, seven principles in workshops, and so many people have been blessed by it. So we want to encourage you to get a pen and paper and uh, write all of these uh, seven uh, principles down uh, for Christian growth and and uh, be blessed by it. The first one is sensitivity. I believe that uh, when we are really sensitive to the Holy Spirit speaking to our hearts, uh, then we always can see the results of Christian growth. The reason why we don't grow like we should is because we're not listening to the Spirit. We're listening more to the flesh. And if you sow to the flesh, you will reap to the flesh, and there will not be any growth. There will be uh, self-destruction. And so uh, we need to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. And then when we are, uh, what will happen from Galatians 5 and 22, he'll give us self-control over listening to the flesh and the things of the world and Satan as well. So an example of uh, this sensitivity 
is somebody like uh, Philip in the Bible, one of the so-called, uh, we call him uh, like an early deacon in the church. And uh, he was uh, giving a revival in Samaria. And all of a sudden, in the midst of people being saved, Brother Jim, and just being brought to the Lord, all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit speaks to him and says, get out of Samaria and go towards Gaza, the south, because there's an Ethiopian eunuch there that I want you to minister to. And he was sensitive in the midst of all of that, and he went there. And uh, the Lord blessed him because of that and used him to reach this man. I believe this man uh, really was used to reach a lot of the Ethiopian people uh, and uh, see a lot of them bring Christianity there. So when we are connected to sensitivity, the second thing that follows, number two, is availability. So we have to, first of all, be into sensitivity. And then the second thing that follows is availability. A lot of people say, well, Dr. Buckner, um, uh, you know, I don't have the ability. I always say it's not about your ability. It's about your availability. Mm -hmm. Because when you make yourself available before God and you're sensitive to God's leading, he'll bless you in many areas of your life and bless your personal life, your family, your church, and everything else. And so... First thing is sensitivity to the Holy Spirit, and then the sensitivity leads to availability. And then availability leads to flexibility. And you see all of this in the life of Philip in the early church in so many different ways because Philip was sensitive, he was available, he was into sensitivity, availability, and then he was into flexibility. He was flexible to the Holy Spirit moving him mm-hmm. in another location. So we never know when the Holy Spirit is going to work that way. And then the fourth thing is teachability. So we have all of these that works together like a hand in a glove. Sensitivity leads to availability. Availability leads to uh, flexibility. Flexibility leads to teachability and we need to be taught, see, and Philip, he was taught, and he was taught by the early church, the apostles, and and he was able to teach others. I believe we have to be taught in order to be able to teach others. And then teachability leads to number five, accountability. Accountability. And that's the big problem with a lot of us today. We're not accountable to the things of the Lord, and we're not accountable to God, we're not accountable to the church. A lot of times we're not accountable in our marriage and to our children, and we end up getting ourselves in a lot of trouble. So we need to not lean to our own understanding. We need to reach out because to other Christians because there's wisdom in the multitude of counselors. And so this thing, look, listen to this pattern, sensitivity, availability, flexibility, teachability, accountability, and accountability gives birth to reliability. We become reliable in the things that we do, and that's what God wants us to do, become reliable. And then reliability leads to reachability. We get to the point, number seven, that we uh, have a spirit of reaching people, for the Lord, because the Lord wants us to be the salt and light to the world. So, um, and the reason why the world is decaying and, and things are falling apart, because when the church falls apart, 
the society falls apart. And so we need to be sensitive to the things of God, and sensitivity leads to all of these other uh, points here. And this will revolutionize your life, these seven principles, if you apply them. And I think that everybody that's hearing this tonight, uh, go to your leadership, go to your uh, home, go to your church, go to uh, the fellowship of your brothers and sisters, and share this, because it will really bring some changes in one's life. How did this minister to you, Jim, just hearing this? Well, so uh, you start off with sensitivity, and I was thinking about uh, there's a lot of folks that I meet in, in the church that... They're, uh, they, they seem to have uh, a very disassociated walk with the Lord. In other words, they, you know, you talk to them, you ask them about their, their what sort of devotional life do they have, what do they do. I mean, uh, or maybe it's just that they never really even speak of the things of the Lord in, in, in conversation. It's always about worldly things. And uh, so, and that speaks to me as like somebody who's not really sensitive to the Lord. And you know when you've met somebody who is because— they love to talk about, you know, they'll talk about what they're reading in Scripture or they'll talk about what God's doing in their life. Or Amen. It's, it's really something to see. And then he went on to availability, and it made me think of uh, Moses and, uh, and how, you know, he didn't want that job. <laughs> but uh, he made himself available, yes. you know. And uh, so, uh, in fact, I think he, uh, uh, he enlisted his brother Aaron to, uh, to try and do the talking for him, but... <laughs> Yes, and and before you go on, you know, I I want to say this, too, regarding all of these principles. You know, the text says in the Gospels that Jesus went and prayed all night. Mm. And when he stopped praying, after praying all night, he got up and he chose the 12. And I really believe that he looked at all of these principles here in those men, and he wanted to see the sensitivity, the availability, flexibility, teachability, accountability, reliability, reachability. And he saw all of that and the potential in all of those men. And that's one of the reasons why he chose them. But he prayed all night because he wanted to make sure that he chose those men who carried these characteristics, the potential of these characteristics in their lives. Yeah, well, I got, you know, I got to ask you, now that you put, brought that up, what about Judas? Well, Judas as well, you know, I'm glad you mentioned that. He had the potential to, uh, you know, fulfill all of these too. But what he did was he chose to go into a different direction. And that's what happens with so many people in the church too. You, You look at people in the church today and you say to yourself, they have the potential to fulfill all of these. And they're not fatalistically determined to go the way of Judas, and Judas was not fatalistically determined either. But what happens is that people have volitional choices, and uh, the Lord knew his choice, but he looked at his potential at the same time. You know, uh, Judas was a great uh, piece of fulfilling Scripture, but there are people today, you look at them in the church, you see some people, like you said, you were just describing it, Mm -hmm. there are some people in the church that's always talking about the Bible, how much they love the Lord, how much they praise him. And you can see the love of Jesus in their hearts. And other, yeah. But you look at others in the church, and it's just like they don't have no desire, no will for God, uh, you know, no heart like David had. David had a heart for God. 
And that's what we need to pray for with people in the church, that they will develop a heart for God and develop these seven principles. So Judas had the potential to go this direction, but he chose to go in another direction. And that's a wake-up call for a lot of people in the church. You can, oh, go yeah. to, you can go the direction of Peter, James, and John, and Paul, or you can choose to go the direction of Judas Iscariot. And I believe there's a lot of people in the churches that are going that direction, and it's sad to say that. Yeah, it is it is sad to say to see that. And I think that what we're seeing today is uh, is the the real refinement of the church. And as uh, as I mentioned, you know, uh, with uh, – as we come into the last days and the, you know, it talks about uh, people falling away. And, and I think that uh, uh, there's a lot of people that are church going, you know, they're cultural Christians, but the truth of God really hasn't penetrated their hearts. And, and you brought up David and, and how he loved the Lord and how he served him the way he did. He uh, the, the the striking thing about David is that he was far from a perfect man. Look at the sins in his life. Mm-hmm. I mean, most of us, even non Christians, would be aghast at, at some of the things that he did. But every time he came back, he repented. He he uh, uh, he he loved the Lord, and he and his life demonstrated that, even in spite of the the sinful events that happened. Absolutely, and that's a really good point because. That's the encouraging thing that I say to so many people who are down. There's mm. a lot of people. There's even some pastors who have committed adultery, mm. and they have beaten themselves up. Uh, they have left the church. They sense that there is no hope. But I always try to share with them that you go through repentance and genuine repentance like David in Psalm 51. He cried out, Lord, create in me a new heart. Mm. Renew within me a right spirit. Wash me with hyssop. And he had a genuine repentance, and God restored him. And I say to a lot of the ministers, whether they're men or women who have fallen deep into sin, that God can restore you just like he did with uh, you know, David. But David had a heart after God. You have to really have a heart after God, and you have to have genuine repentance because the things, like you said, David did, you would say, man, God is like going to shut him out. Mm. But God used him again, and he will use anybody out there who has fallen with sin, sexual sins, addiction, uh, pornography, drugs, no matter what it is, a broken marriage, you know, even murder, Mm. you know, God can restore you. And that's the joy of knowing the Lord. Yes. Amen. All right. Well, you know, it looks like we are going to be coming up to the uh, break right now. And when we come back, I think we're going to get into some phone calls. Welcome back to Contending for the Faith. This is Jim Clark. I'm in the studio with Dr. Buckner. I'd like to uh, just let you know that uh, next weekend we'll be back in the studio on uh, August 4th. Also, you want to know that Dr. Buckner will be speaking at Petaluma Valley Baptist Church at both the 9 and 11 a.m. services. That's happening this Sunday. Is that correct, Dr. Buckner? Yes, this sir. Sunday. Yes, okay. this, this Sunday. Uh-huh. And let me give you the address for that church. It's 580 Sonoma Mountain Parkway in Petaluma. And the zip code there is 94954 for those people that want to punch it into their GPS. And uh, that should be very interesting, Dr. Buckner. Yes, very much so. The uh, You know, I've done some adjunct uh, teaching through Golden Gate Baptist Theological Seminary. Now it's Gateway here in uh, Fremont, California, and Dr. Rick Durst, the academic dean, uh, wanted me to come and be in his stead. Uh, so 
Uh, he's not going to be there, but uh, he wants me to preach both services. So we want to encourage people to come out and hear me at the 9 o'clock service as well as the 11 o'clock service. For those of you out there that have been wondering what Dr. Buckner looks like, this is your opportunity. <laughs> Amen to that. Oh, you cannot miss him. That's right. Amen. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, I think we'd like to get to a phone call right now, and we have uh, LaVon. LaVon, uh, are you there? Yes, I am. How are you doing this evening? I'm blessed and highly favored. How about yourself? Well, you know what? We're blessed and highly favored, too, and we are too blessed to be stressed by the devil's mess. I know that's right. Amen, because <laughs> we are too anointed and uh, to be disappointed. So we praise the Lord, and we're right with you, sister, on the, your statement. And uh, okay. it sounds like you have a, a testimony you want to share with us to, tonight, and we want to hear your testimony. Absolutely, and thank you for having me on. Yes. Um, first and foremost, I know the Bible says uh, that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And uh, my past wasn't very good, you know, because I know that, again, what the Bible said, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And I had a praying mother who would um, take us to church. My dad would take me to church. And at, later on in life, uh, you know how you wanted to do things your way. You didn't want to listen to what they had to say. And I'm not saying everyone's testimony is that way, but sometimes you think your parents might uh, uh, be saying something that is so old-fashioned or unorthodox, per se. And that's where I was leaded uh, into uh, a situation where out of my uh, control, but out of control, at the same time, I had, I know there was a God, so I couldn't say he wasn't there. But later on, I had to learn from a headstrong personality to get to know his way. And it took some hard knocks. I was in a marriage that um, was not, it was um, uh, definitely open for uh, anyone to get out of it because I got sick and tired, being sick and tired of his infidelity. Uh, okay, so in time, I got in more trouble, more trouble, more trouble. Educated, but you can be educated and still get in trouble. Out of time, it's the devil's workshop. To make a long story short, in 95, I decided to go ahead and get involved even more in church. And I learned about the Greek words and a lot of the uh, Hebrew words for different things like faith and so on and so forth. But um, I grew to enjoy God's Word so much. I'm a musician. I'm a songwriter. But also I'm a minister of the gospel. And I, I'm sold out for Christ. Amen. I'll, I'll tell anyone yeah, yeah. how good he is. But I'll also share based on his Word. And I, you know what? I'll never, I'll never go back because I don't want to go back looking at this wretched world we're living in. Amen. Well, you know what? Your testimony tonight has blessed us, and I know it has blessed a lot of people out there who's heard you. And thank you for being transparent with us and honest, and Jesus said the truth will make you free. And you know what? Uh, most of us, uh, in order for God to get us to the place that we need to be, I always say this, and I said it in one of my sermons, and my brother loved it so much that he even uh, preaches it too. But I always say this, sometimes God will allow you to hit rock bottom <laughs> so that you will discover that he is the rock at the bottom. 
And when you discover that he is the rock at the bottom, he brings you from the bottom to the top. <laughs> Amen. Amen. And I so you've that. had your rock yeah. bottom experience and you shared that. And and now God is, is bringing you up and using you as a testimony. We all have to go through a testing in order to have a testimony. See, we go through the first T, a testing, so that we can have a testimony. Or we go through a testing and a trial, and then God mm-hmm. brings us to that testimony. And keep on sharing your testimony because uh, God is, is going to use your testimony to touch a lot of people and bring them to Jesus Christ. I can feel that in my spirit right now. Let me ask you this. Is this the first time you heard our program of how you heard it before? Actually, I might have, uh, I, I believe I might have. Uh, I'll, I'll use it like that to say, uh, I can't say yes or no. Um, it's possible, but I know about KFAX, and so uh, it just so happened that I wanted to flip my channel to KFAX uh, this evening and uh, hear some words, because I didn't want to hear anything religious. I wanted to hear something that was uh, fruitful, and so I am happy that I did, and there is no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus. Amen. Mm-hmm. Well, you know what? That is uh, the Holy Spirit led you to the program tonight. And I want to share with you, uh, when you use the word fruitful, I want to share with you uh, uh, three F's that will revolutionize your life and others. The first F is focus. When we stay focused in the things of God, God will do great things in our life. And the second F, when we stay focused, it gives birth to the second F, which is faithful. When we're faithful, it brings fruit. So that's the third F. So we need to be focused, faithful, and fruitful. And when we are doing all those three, God is going to use us in a mighty, mighty way. You see, I always tell people this. uh, In order for God to really use us, there has to be an emptying before God can do a filling. Many people are praying for God to fill them when they're already filled with something else. That's what the white Lyman Moody said in his book, Secret Powers. He said there has to be an emptying before there can be a filling. And when we remove pride and arrogance and self-seeking and self-ambition and we humble ourselves, God will exalt us and use us in a mighty way. So, sister, thank you for your call tonight and your testimony. And don't let this be the last time you listen to our program. Continue and pray for (laughs) us and support us because this is one-of-a-kind program, Contending for the Faith. I appreciate it, and thank you. Thank you, too. God bless you. God bless you, too. Good night. Good night. What a testimony there. Yes, and it's great to hear somebody, you know, like I was talking about earlier, you know, Christians that love to talk about God, love to talk about their their walk, their and what He's doing in their life. That's that's what blesses me. And yes, I, yes. I, I really like to see that when I'm, you know, when I'm at church or I'm just out and about. If I even at work and and run across somebody who's a, a Christian there, you can tell because they like to talk about those things. Absolutely, absolutely. All right, so uh, we're going to go to the next caller. Uh, let's go to Jermaine. Jermaine, how are you doing this evening? Oh, doing very well, sir. Well, it's always good to hear your voice, my brother, and how are you doing in the family? Uh, everyone's doing very well. Thank you for asking. Well, that's good. We're always praying for you, and it's always good to hear from you, and you always bring some good questions. And what's on your heart tonight? Well, uh, yeah, just uh, 
want to ask about the significance of the United States moving the embassy to Jerusalem, seeing that a lot of people were quite upset about that. And the, the people I know who are upset don't seem to know why or understand the significance of it, or they're only looking at it from a particular point of view. I just wanted to hear, what is the biblical significance of that move, if any? Well, let me reverse it for a moment and ask you that, and then I'll respond. What do you think is the biblical significance? Uh, what I think is that's, I think that's where the capital was from the very beginning, and if you do something like that, you you kind of lend more credit to what the Scripture says. But, uh, you know, that, that would be my best guess. Well, you know what? You hit it right on the nose. You not only knocked a home run with that, but you also, in the name of Jesus, you knocked it out of the ballpark. You know how some of the baseball players hit it out of a stadium into the water? Well, you oh, yeah. knocked it outside even the water. <laughs> it's, it's, it's on the street. The ball is rolling on the street, my brother. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and, and, and so, yes, um, this is uh, your answer. The Capitol was uh, there from the beginning. Uh, this is the biblical motif. This is the way God has always had it with David. Uh, the focus was Jerusalem, and I thank God uh, for Trump, even though he does have some of his issues, but uh, this is one of the first presidents to uh, do this sort of thing, and we have to take our hats off to him, even in the midst of all the things we always criticize. this is, And I think it's also the biblical significance is that everything is focusing back on uh, Jerusalem, because that's where Jesus is going to come back in the second coming. Uh, set his feet on the Mount of Olives, and that's where he's going to, uh, that's where he left, that's where he's coming back, and Jerusalem's going to be the center of all of that, and that's going to be the center of, uh, uh, of, of Christ doing his major work in his second coming. So uh, this is kind of like a, uh, a preview of uh, the prophecies focusing to Jerusalem because the center of Jesus and him bringing us to worship him and trying to get people even during the millennium to worship him in that thousand year because you know what? Uh, the devil is going to be bound for a thousand years and people say, well, uh, Dr. Buckner, people should be turning to Jesus left and right. What's the problem? Why aren't people still turning to him? Well, the answer is simple. The answer why they're not turning to him in Jerusalem is because the flesh is still here. Satan is bound, but the flesh is not bound. And see, the flesh is going to be having its way, and there will still be people rebelling, even though Jesus will try to reach them in the area of Jerusalem during the millennium. So the biblical prophecies point to Jerusalem, and the capital being there is the center of of uh, the uh, worship of God from the beginning all the way to the present day, today. So uh, your question and your answer is right on target. So good, an- good question as well as a good answer. So, so I wanted to say that to you. You, you, you answered your own question. All right. How about the second part of that, Dr. What, what do you think is the reason for the uh, just the outright hate by some people? Well, you know, it, the, the outright hate has to do with also prophecy, too. 
because Jesus said in Matthew 20, Matthew 24, that uh, when it see Matthew 24, there are some people who are amillennialists who uh, literally say that things were historical in the past. I don't, I don't believe that. I believe that, that Matthew 24 is a local prophecy taking place in the locale, but it's also a futuristic prophecy. It's a combination of both. You don't hear too many uh, Bible expositors saying that, but it's true. Now, uh, the, the, the issue is here that we, we have to understand is that Jesus said regarding the end of time, even in Matthew 24 and other places in, in the book of Matthews, that they will hate you for my name's sake. So Jerusalem is reflecting Christ. And when we support that, it, it goes to the words of Christ that they will hate you because they first hated me. And they hate his teachings. They hate the prophecy. They hate the Bible. And so it, this is the answer to your question that it's just a fulfillment that people will hate. And then Paul says in the last days, the love of many will grow cold. People's love is growing cold regarding Christ and the things of Christ and the prophecy regarding Christ. So hopefully that helps out as well. Yes, it does. Thank you very much. Well, thank you for your good question, and God bless. And we can't wait for you to call back with another good question, my brother. All right. God bless you. All right. You take care now. Yes, we'll right. take a break. Let's uh, do the break, yes. And we'll come back. Okay, well, we'll see you right after this break, and we'll be back to more phone calls from our listeners. Welcome back to Contending for the Faith. My name is Jim Clark. I'm in the studio with Dr. Buckner, and we're, uh, well, you know Dr. Buckner's mind is always buzzing, you know, whether we're on a break or whatever, and he's come up with another uh, another one of those uh, those words for his seven principles here, and kind of goes with reliability, and that's dependability. So being dependable, and uh, boy, isn't that the truth? And we need to be, you know, you could, that's again, you see those Christians at church, the ones that are dependable, and the ones that aren't really that dependable. That's right. Yeah. That's right. I guess that's one of the reasons why Jesus said, uh, let the tares and the wheat grow together, and in my day, I'll do the separating. You know, a lot of people say, well, you know what, I see so much hypocrisy in the church, so I don't want anything to do with it, and so I'm going to stop going. I said, well, do you have that attitude towards your work? There's hypocrites all over the place. Amen. You just quit your job. <laughs> they say, oh, that's a good point. They say, yeah. the Lord don't want you to do that. He's the one that does the separation. He says, let the tares and the wheat grow together. Amen. And in my day, I'll do the separating. It's not our job to do the separating. Amen. All right, we have uh, Ben, and I like that name, Ben, because our baby uh, son is a uh, uh, boy is a, uh, I call him my baby boy, even though he's 27. Uh, <laughs> you know, he's his name is Ben. So, uh, how you doing, Ben? I'm all right. Brother Buckner, Brother Clark, how are you guys doing today? We Very are nice. truly blessed and highly favored. It's always a pleasure talking to you, my brother. And, Thank uh, you. And, and what's on your heart tonight? Okay, well, tonight I'm going to do a little something different. I'm going to put others uh, first before myself. I'm dedicating these two questions to Sister Deborah and Brother Jermaine. You know, um, there were two questions that when you got to the end of the program, you couldn't answer fully so i actually have another question but i'll save that for next time this is for sister deborah and sister uh i mean brother jermaine now um sister deborah's question uh last time she had that fire alarm that something that broke out in her building when you were talking okay she was she was talking about uh on the bright side um 
kept saying, yeah, what do you think about on the bright side, on the bright side? And, um, and then you said, well, what, what's his name? And she said, Greg something. What she was doing was confusing two shows. On the bright side is uh, Bobby Bollinger, uh, some cat that uh, they sell like light uh, flashlights or something like that. I mean, uh, listen to his show. He tells pretty corny jokes. If I was sitting in his pew and I had a rotten tomato, I would throw it at him. <laughs> oh my! <laughs> oh my goodness! <laughs> Sorry about that, yo. But um, but okay. And then that's where she confused it. And then when she said Greg something, I know what she's talking about. She's talking about Steve Greg and the Narrow Path. Oh, okay. You know what I mean, he's like a, a Bible answer man. And stuff, kind of like you are, you know, and stuff like that. So her question would make more sense talking about, you know, Steve Gregg and the uh, the narrow path. He comes on at like twelve o'clock and uh, uh, two o'clock in the afternoon and something like that. So that's to her, you know what I mean. I, I have a feeling that's who she was talking about because he's a Bible answer man, and she was asking your opinion on uh, on him. And yeah, some of his stuff is kind of iffy, but you know, some of his stuff is like legit. Okay, oh yeah, uh, yeah. I, I've uh, heard him and stuff like that. And like you said, you you balance it out with him, and uh, there are some uh, concerns, uh, especially the amillennialist view. Uh, there are very much some strong concerns around that position. Um, you know, with that, um, and a few other things as well uh, that uh, that is uh, concerning. Uh, regarding uh, his position on some, uh, you know, things uh, in the sense of defense uh, that uh, you are uh, are not so much to defend yourself. I believe you are to. We're called by God to defend ourselves, and and when it comes to uh, those situations like that, and then uh, also uh, his position uh, on hell. I believe the Bible is very clear that. Hell is a reality, and I don't think we have to go to uh, Augustine and a few other people to uh, say, well, there are four, three or four different views because of, uh, of these men. No, we need to go to what Jesus said. Amen. Jesus taught on hell. He taught it more than uh, heaven. And uh, it's good enough for me that Jesus taught it, and I'm just going to stop there. So I think uh, there are some things that you can really glean from him and learn, but there are some things that you have to be discerning towards, uh, and uh, because God is calling upon us to do that with everybody, uh, you know, including myself. The Bible uh, says that the Bereans were more noble than then those in Thessalonica because they tested everything that Paul said to the Scripture. So we are to to, to do that and uh, to uh, I was blessed, uh, you know, to be able to be trained on a, a great mind, and that was uh, Dr. Walter Martin. And I was mentored and trained under him, and his exegesis of Scripture was so sound and uh, biblical. And I thank God for the mentoring. And I think, uh, you know, some uh, expositors say that it's not necessary that you go to school like, uh, you know, Steve Gregg. But I believe it would have been helpful for him to have some Bible training behind his belt, too, because it would have broadened his horizon uh, out uh, there, I, I just think I think that everybody needs to have a basic working knowledge of if they could, if they're going to be in a leadership role and be in a public setting, uh, teaching people that it's really critical that they have uh, 
a, a basic Bible college training and a seminary so that because what education does, it doesn't make you. It's the Holy Spirit that makes you. But uh, the education is the foul to the axe. It helps to sharpen you in uh, a lot of areas. So uh, I just want to kind of like add that piece to uh, you bringing up uh, Steve Gray. Amen. Okay, and now the second question is uh, dedicated to uh, Brother Jermaine, because we all know he comes with some great questions <laughs> and stuff like that. And so uh, the last one was uh, <clears throat> the last one was on to how to witness to a uh, LGBT pride uh, a person with love and truth. And you were going into something good, but the time ran out, brother. You know what I'm saying? And so I, I know he's probably out there right now. Like, oh yeah, I did remember asking that. <laughs> Whatever. Oh so, yeah. It's interesting. You say, it's interesting you yeah. say that because, um, I needed, I should have mentioned that to him tonight and hopefully he's listening, uh, because, uh, I'm going to do a teaching on that. Uh, I've done a lot of study and research on that, and I'm hoping that Jermaine, if he's listening, that next time we're in, we won't be in the studio next weekend, but the following, that he calls in and asks that question. Uh, But I don't know if you ever heard of a guy, I'll just say this just to whet everybody's appetite, there's a guy that's done tremendous work in this area, Joe Dallas. Okay. You ever heard of him? I actually have, you know what I mean? I don't know that too much about him, but Joe Dallas sounds familiar. Yes, he was. Uh, he's done a tremendous amount of work for the Christian Research Institute and articles for them. He's the leading uh, expert for them dealing with uh, homosexuality, and he was a former homosexual himself, and God delivered him out of it, and uh, he has written many different books, plus uh, he has a tremendous ministry to... Uh, you know, the homosexual community, and he does it with so much balance. You know, uh, you got to have that balance where you balance the love and the justice with homosexuals because a lot of times we can go to the extreme with both ends. We can be too loving and or we can be too judgmental. And God wants us to balance those two out. And uh, he does a good job at that. So people who are listening tonight, get any any type of book you can on Joe Dallas, and he will really help to mentor you. But next time we are in the, on the air, if which column Jermaine doesn't call in with the question, you can call in, and we'll talk about it. Okay, okay. I don't thank you so very much. I appreciate um, your insight, stuff like that. But well, we appreciate you as well. Next next time. We appreciate you, Ben, and God bless you. And uh, you always have some good ones too. And you stay strong and keep doing what God is doing through you, my brother. All right, and hug your son Ben for me, just for me, okay? I will do that. (laughs) He's listening tonight. He always listens. Yes. Okay, God bless. All right. All righty. Well, that was an awesome call. Awesome call, yes. (laughs) All right, we're going to go to David. Uh, David, are you there? Yes. How are you doing, David? Um, I'm doing well, uh, and uh, I'm having a good and godly day. Well, you know what? That's a good thing. And what is helping you to have a good and godly day? Uh, well, the uh, while I prayed this morning, I thank the Lord that we still are able to, we, for the freedoms we have in America, and that we still are able to uh, be blessed by having our Constitution. 
Well, amen to that, my brother. Well, I appreciate uh, you sharing that. And anything on your heart? Do you need any prayer uh, or something uh, that we can pray for you regarding? Okay. okay, well, I was listening to the call by uh, uh, Jermaine. Yes. He was talking about Israel. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's a book that I wanted to uh, make him aware of. Okay, and what's the uh, book? If he, could, if he could get a hold of this book, it's called... As America has done to Israel, and the author is John McTernan. Okay. So if he, if he's listening, that's a good book that he could, uh, good resource that he could, uh, you know, take a look at. Well, very good. Well, thank you for that resource. And is this your first time listening to Continuing for the Faith? Oh, no, I, I've been listening for several years. Oh, very good, very good. And how many times have you called in? Uh, I think this is the second time. Second time? All right. Well, you call in more often, my brother, because we appreciate your referrals and just your your kind spirit of your call. Okay, Dr. Buckner. All right, right, brother. God bless you. God bless you, and keep us in your prayers, and we'll do likewise for you. And keep that armor on, because without that armor, we are doomed casually. With the armor, we are invincible in the invisible warfare. Amen. All right. Okay. All right, my brother. God bless. All right. Want to try to squeeze in? uh, Uh, Yeah, we got one more caller. We got uh, CC. CC. Yes. CC, how you doing? Yes. How you doing? How you guys doing? Thank you. Thank you. We're blessed. You know, they say that that my wife always says uh, she saved the best for last. And uh, she always says that regarding her her steaks. When she eats steak, she kind of eats. Uh, everything else, and then she cuts up the steak, and then she says, "I I saved the best for last." Yeah. <laughs> making me hungry for a steak. Yeah, that's making wow. me hungry. Yeah, see, <laughs> amen. I like the porterhouse steak. I like that bone in there, so I can eat mm-hmm. off that bone. Mm-hmm. Amen. What's what's on your heart tonight, my brothers? Good. Thank you for your patience tonight. Oh no, no problem. Yeah. Uh, by the way, I don't have enough time. You'd ask me to. Um, uh, Mary, last I, I think a week before that, or whatever you'd ask me to, uh, we, I asked you a question on Romans three, and you told me you wanted me to do some research and uh, t- and find out what you know that I came up with. Yeah, did you uh, do the re- did you do the research? Uh, yes, I did. Yeah, you know what I'm gonna have you to do. I'm uh-huh. gonna I'm gonna have you uh, because we're we're kind of focusing more on testimony tonight. I'm gonna have you if you don't mind to. Hold that. It'll give you even an extra week or so to uh, add some more meat to what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And uh, But I'm going to have you tonight share how you got ministered to regarding these seven principles. And remember, we added dependability. So we're going to get to your uh, research and stuff like that because I always get blessed by what you uh, bring to the table as well. And let me know that you're studious and we appreciate that about okay. you. But what? how did these seven principles minister to you tonight? And which one stood out the most to you? The one that stood out, to, I mean, first of all, they all ministered to me in a, a great way. But the one that stood out to me a lot was the one, um, reachability. All of them it did, you know, but I don't have time to really, you know, but that's like one of the main ones that uh, stood out to me is reachability and teachability. Teachability and reachability was the one. Amen. That's a good thing. And 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 why did teachability and reachability minister to you the most? I think because 
a lot of, I think it's very important. I know everybody is not, you know, called to be pastors or teachers, but I think it's very important for us to be able to be able to teach the Word of God, you know, and so and then that, that involves, you know, spending time in His Word, you know, and, and involves learning more about Christ and then being able to teach teach the Word of God, you know, teach it, teach it on a, a way that people can understand and not when you go over people's heads, but you just, not, you know, but just because Paul said, um, knowledge puffs up, but love edifies. So I think when we teach, we learn the Word of God and that knowledge that we have, is coupled with wisdom, and wisdom becomes the engine of that knowledge that you have, coupled with love, then you're going to be able to reach people. Teaching people, you know, the Word of God, teaching what, uh, from a biblical perspective of what Christ did, and how He came, and, and what was what was His ministry about, and also us bearing those same fruits. And I think another thing is in teach, teaching, is not, also, not only teaching, but also having compassion, and at the same time, being able to meet that person where they at, mm-hmm. you no, know, and I, that all, and we can't do that on our own. Of course, we have to be empowered by the Spirit, and then we have to we have to be able to hide the word in our heart. David said, "Your word have I hid in my heart, that I might not sin against you." And then in Colossians, it said, "Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly." So when the word is in you, and there's no deprivation of spiritual growth, you're going to be able to reach those people, and you're going to be able to reach them in such a way they're going to be like, "Wow." And especially in terms of when you're teaching people the Word of God, and then you um, are able to give a testimony of what He's done in your life. Mm-hmm. That is so true. I mean, I I can't improve upon that too much because you have knocked a home run with those words and these the um, you know feedback around that. And, and you know, when we think about teachability, I, I want to let everybody know this: that teachability has to do with uh, the D word, that means discipleship. And one of the things that is lacking in a lot of our churches today is discipleship. You know, people come into church and they join it. They never, in a lot of churches, they never go through a discipleship class. They don't know what it means to be a Christian. They don't know what it means to be a disciple. I want to let everybody know out there tonight that, you, you, you know, let me ask you this and see if you know. You know how many times the word Christian is mentioned in the Bible? No, I don't. Okay. Make a note of this. The word Christian is mentioned three times in the Bible. And the word disciple is mentioned 269 times. (laughs) What does that tell you? It tells you that people need to be discipled. And Jesus, when he had uh, the, when the, the crowds that were following him, they were growing and they were growing and they were growing because a lot of people were following Jesus for the wrong motive. They wanted to see a miracle happen. They wanted to see uh, raising from the dead happen. They wanted to see Jesus debate with the uh, Pharisees and the Sadducees. When they named them Sadducees, they picked a good name because they were very sad, you see. (laughs) Yeah, they were very sad, you see. And so what happened was when Jesus started to get extreme at dealing with discipleship, the crowd started to dwindle. And we look at, if you look at John chapter 6, you'll find that his sayings got so hard 
that it says there were many disciples followed him no more because they weren't willing to deny themselves, take up their cross and follow him. Well, look like we hear that music and uh, we'll get you next time, CC, right at the top and we'll pick up from there. But thank you for your call and your feedback. Amen. Well, we come to the end of another exciting broadcast, and my wasn't it? And we would like to thank Vince, our engineer, and our phone counselor, and you would and you, our listening audience, for being part of tonight's program. It's important for us to hear from you. Your letters and cards are an encouragement to us, so please drop us a note and let us know how this program has blessed you. Please keep us in your prayers until next week at this time, when we once again give you the opportunity to ask questions, make comments, and dialogue with Dr. Buckner, always with one purpose in mind: to equip, exhort and better enable you to contend for the faith.